0: Real quick, let me just start off by saying this is Peter Rosenberg, your forever 24-7 champion, host of the GP Podcast. And I want to shout out the Will Wonder Podcast. You know what I wonder? What amazing takes will be given today on this show? Will I ever get the nod, the invite to be a guest on this show? Will I ever feel like coming on the show if I get that invite? We don't know. But you're checking out the Will Wonder Podcast.
1: What is up, everybody? Episode 64 of the Will Wonder Pod. I hope everyone's been great since the last time we talked. Man, there's been a lot going on over here. Um, Friday, we got a cat. Yes, we, we we wanted to get my son one for his birthday, which is the middle of the month. But my my wife kind of fell in love with one. Uh, that she had saw online at the shelter and we went and got him on friday his name just so happens to be andre the giant yes and uh so that had a special place in my heart as well he is a sweet cat got a little um (laughs) of course there's something got a little skin allergy going on so they're trying to figure that out but he's seven years old uh, and from what they understand he's never really had a home but man he's adjusted quickly he's um He's, he's brought a lot of uh, light and love into our house. Uh, my son is just uh, enamored with him. And he's, like I said, he's a, he's a very sweet cat. So excited to add him to our little family here. What else has been going on? Man, Monday, I was either a co-host or a guest on three podcasts that came out, right? That's crazy. Uh, so the Lake Talk 801, I had told you all about that. We'd recorded that a couple weeks back. That came out Monday. We talk about my upbringing, uh, music, sports, a whole lot more, so make sure you check that out. Shout out to those guys. Had a lot of fun with them, a lot of laughs, uh, even after (laughs) we stopped recording. Also on Monday, the other side of the Beehive, I was a guest on their podcast, and this was for their three-year anniversary. They have done three years straight of podcasting every week, this was 162 episodes, which is insane. I hit the one year mark and thought, "Wow, that you know that was tough." But three years, uh, so kudos to them. We had a ton of laughs on that podcast, so make sure you check that out. You can watch that on YouTube or you know get it wherever you get podcasts. And I'll make sure to put links in the pod in this podcast description to all these other podcasts. On top of that, my friend Daniel and I dropped the first official episode of the Jazz Nation podcast Monday. Uh, we looked back at the week prior for the Utah Jazz and then what's coming up next. Later this week, we will have an interview with a former Jazz employee. I uh, don't want to let that out just quite yet, but you should be seeing that this week at some point. Uh, what else, man? Oh, last night, I was a guest on Dre Rock's podcast along with my guy Sebastian, the former correspondent. I guess he's still a correspondent, right? You don't really get fired from this job, but uh, I have to have Sebastian back on soon. Uh, As well as Kay the Dog. Kay the Dog was there last night. I believe that podcast will be coming out Monday of next week. So that would have been the 14th, or will be the 14th, excuse me. So make sure you check out that as well. A lot of laughs. It was all over the place. Um, But again, hopefully it's entertaining for all of you. Outside of the podcast <laughs> network, the pod that we have out here, I got a chance to watch Winning Time on HBO, which covers the Los Angeles Lakers the year they drafted Magic Johnson, uh, and Dr. Buss actually buys the team. It is very, very, very entertaining. I would highly suggest you watch it. If you're into NBA, if you're a Lakers fan, First and foremost, you absolutely need to watch it. Uh, Or if you just want a good series, like it's there's some interesting stuff that happens in that first episode. And again, it's very, very entertaining. All right, we're going to keep the intro somewhat short. I want to touch on some NFL news because this all just happened within, you know, the past couple of hours as I record this. Aaron Rodgers is staying in Green Bay after all that talk. Looks like a four year 200. Million dollar contract, Jesus Christ! Uh, and also, I believe they're they're looking to now tag Devonte Adams, which totally makes sense for them. And then the Aaron Rodgers news doesn't even have a chance to breathe. A short while after that, we get the information that Russell Wilson and a fourth round pick are headed to the Denver Broncos. Seahawks are getting back two first round, two second rounds, a fifth round, Drew Locke, Shelby Harris, and Noah fant that sure shakes things up there in the afc you would imagine uh russell wilson will get back to how he was prior to that thumb injury i mean only time will tell but it 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 makes things in denver very very interesting and and makes you um you know shout out to drew lock but not as worried about the seahawks in any capacity even though obviously last year they had a down year I didn't, I didn't think I would be, be talking about any NFL news today on the podcast, but there you have it, two really big storylines. I, I, I thought about touching on the Calvin Ridley gambling story, but, I mean, it seems almost insignificant compared to these two stories that came out today. All right, let's get into some NBA talk. So this is what I want to do. To start off, I want to update my MVP ladder, okay? Uh, I'm just going to say this. It's fun to have an MVP ladder, but at this point in the season, I think Nikola Jokic is on his own ladder by himself. Let's go over some of these numbers. So 25.9 points per game, 13.8 rebounds, 8.1 assists, 32.5 PER. For those who don't know what PER is, it's a player efficiency rating. So... Uh, Per minute rating developed by ESPN.com's John Hollinger. In John's words, and obviously I ripped this off the internet, the PER sums up all the players' positive accomplishments, subtracts the negative accomplishments, and return gives you a per minute rating of a player's performance. So Jokic, number one in that, slightly above Giannis and Joel Embiid. Um, Denver you know, one four out of their last five. And yes, I know that they're in sixth place in the West, but I can't stress enough, he has been the reason they are even there. No Jamal Murray, no Michael Porter Jr. He's carried this team the whole season. Uh, an additional insane advanced stat is his wins above replacement. He is a 17.6. The next closest player in the league is Jason Tatum at 10.1. 7.5 Higher than Jason Tatum. Uh, For those who don't know, again, a player's uh, wins above replacement is claimed to be the number of additional wins this player's team has achieved above the number of expected team wins if that player were substituted with a replacement-level player. So uh, a player who may be added to the team for minimal cost and effort. So as I say... The only way Jokic doesn't get the MVP, I guess there's a couple ways, maybe um, voter fatigue. No, I don't think that happens, but if there's an injury and I pray there isn't, or maybe that might even strengthen his case because I would imagine Denver plummets after an injury to Nikola Jokic, or somehow he has an incredible fall in production, which that's not going to happen. Okay, lastly, I want to hit some contenders and pretenders. So I'm going to look both at the East and the West. Now, when I say contender, I'm talking about a contender to go to the finals, not win it. Okay, so let's just not get that misconstrued. At this point, I want to talk about who could come out of the East potentially and who could come out of the West. So let's start with the playoff teams and play-in teams as they stand today uh, in the East. Atlanta, pretender, no question. Brooklyn, ninth place right now in the East. I don't care what you tell me. If we can get we, if they can get Kevin Durant, Ben Simmons, and Kyrie Irving all playing at the same time, I don't know how you don't take them serious as a contender. I'm just going to leave it at that. Charlotte, pretender. I think Charlotte They're four and six in their last 10. They just don't have what it takes. Toronto, I do love their team. At this point, pretender. Cleveland. I've been so high on Cleveland all season. They have a great defense. I think offensively is where they will fall in the playoffs. Uh, 106 points per game, which out of all the playoff teams is the lowest, even lower than some of the teams that aren't in the playoffs. Though they have a a really good defense. I think if they get in some type of shootout with, you know, say a Brooklyn, uh, Philly, one of these type of teams, they don't have a chance. So Cleveland, as much as it hurts me right now to say it, pretender. Boston in fifth place contender. I think so. Seems like Tatum and Brown have figured things out. They've won eight out of their last 10. Robert Williams. This was an interesting stat per stat muse today. Uh, Players are shooting 6.4% worse than their normal field field goal percentage when guarded by Williams. That negative difference is the biggest by any defender with 500 plus shots defended this season. And then, you know, StatMuse has to stir the pot and put DPOY, question mark, defensive player of the year. I don't know, don't think so, maybe, uh, but probably not. But I love the Derek White trade. Daniel Tice going back does something for that team. I'm going to say contender. Chicago, pretender. <laughs> the Bulls are 0-13 against the top three teams in each conference. They can't win against those top-tier teams, which means they're a pretender. I don't see a way for them to get out of the East. In the third spot, Milwaukee. Contender, Giannis. I think that's all I really need to say. Second spot, Philly. Ooh, right now. You have to say Contender, right? Winning eight out of their last ten. Harden, Maxi, Embiid all seem to be playing really well together. Got to go with Contender. Miami Heat, to me, the deepest team in the Eastern Conference, 100% a contender. Okay, let's move on to the West. 10 spot, New Orleans, eh, pretender. I think they can build this team up. I love what C.J. McCollum's been able to do for them. Uh, you know, they maybe they get Zion back, and it all works out next year. Ingram, you know, Herb Jones, a lot of these guys that can play. This year, pretender. L.A. Lakers. I think we all know what the L.A. Lakers are. Even if they get A.D. back, pretender. This seems like a wash year for the Lakers, which is just crazy to say. Kind of wasting a year of LeBron James. But uh, we'll see what happens next year for them. Pretender this year. L.A. Clippers. Has to be a pretender. I mean, I don't believe Kawhi's coming back anytime soon. Uh, Paul George. Even if he does come back, I don't see him taking them out of the West. Minnesota Timberwolves, even though they are eight and two in their last 10, I still feel them as a pretender. You know, if it's coming down to crunch time and D'Angelo Russell has to take that shot. Anthony Edwards is just kind of sitting there thinking like, why don't I have the ball? Carl Anthony Town's probably thinking the same thing. Um, I just don't think this team is built get out of the first round, or possibly get out of the play-in. Denver, whew, talked about Jokic earlier, right? Now there's a caveat to this. If they can get Jamal Murray and MPJ back, which for everything I've read said that that's going to happen, i take them as a serious contender to come out of the West. I know a lot of people are going to shit on that, and we're going to all act like we didn't remember what Jamal Murray did in the bubble uh, what MPJ can bring to the team being the third option. And Jokic is Jokic. So I'm going to go ahead and say contender on the caveat that they get those guys back. Dallas, pretender. I don't think Dallas, I said this on the Jazz Nation podcast on Monday, I don't even think Dallas is playing for this year. The trade they did, they made for uh, Dinwiddie and Bertons, to me, they're setting up for something to do this off season, a sign and trade with Jalen Brunson, get someone else in Dallas or possibly move those other two contracts, which I don't think that they're very uh, friendly contracts to be moved. But again, pretender for Dallas, Utah jazz fourth in the West. And yes, I am a co-host on the jazz nation podcast. So I do know that if I say anything too negative, uh, my social media is going to get, blown up by Jazz Nation. I think to this point right now, 7-3 out of their last 10, 113 points per game, plus 6 differential. I think they're a contender. This month, the rest of this month, is going to be very telling for who Utah will be. Now, they lost to the Mavericks last night. I called that on the Jazz Nation podcast. Beat the Thunder the night before Coming up, Blazers, Spurs, Kings. They should win all three of those. Then it gets kind of interesting. Bucks, Bulls, who again I said were a pretender. Clippers, who they seem to have a hard time with. Knicks, Nets, Celtics, Hornets, Mavericks, Clippers, Lakers. And then we go into April. Warriors, Grizzlies. Get a little bit of a break with the Thunder. Suns. And then uh, the last game there with the Blazers. So we're going to find a lot out about the Utah Jazz here in this next month. But as of right now, I'm going to say contender. So that leads us to the top three in the West. Golden State. I don't know how you can ever count Steph Curry out. With that said, they're 2-8 and eight in their last 10. They've looked like shit. Uh, they are missing Draymond Green. But I'm just going to go out there and say it. I'm going to go a Pretender. I love Golden State. I love Clay. I love Steph. I like Draymond quite a bit. There's other pieces that I like. I'm not sure what's going on with James Wiseman. I th- I think that, you know, he would be a great addition, but I'm guessing he's just not ready yet. I'm going to go pretender for the Warriors, and that feels crazy to say. Memphis. One of the funnest teams to watch in the league. 6-4 and in their last 10. 113.9 points per game, so they're up there. I like Memphis a lot. Dylan Brooks, can he come back? I don't know. Uh, But even as it stands now, I'm going to say contender to come out of the West. John Morant is one of those guys that he just does not care who he's going up against. Chris Paul, Steph Curry, Donovan Mitchell, uh, Luca. He, it doesn't matter. He has the ultimate dog in him. And I had said this last year when Memphis came to Utah for the playoffs, like it's not going to be an easy series for them. So, uh, this year, Memphis at number two, 44 and 22. I'm going to go contender now. The Phoenix Suns, there's no question contender, seven and three in their last 10 without, you know, they're essentially you could argue first or second best player the past couple of weeks with Chris Paul out. So without a doubt, I am putting these guys as a contender in the West. Now, I think this is something I'm going to do weekly. Obviously, we're going to get into more NBA talk next week. We got to get into some NCAA March Madness talk, so that's going to take up a good portion of the podcast. So, might do this one more time next week. Update the MVP ladder in, in the uh, event that Jokic has fallen off of it. All right, coming up in this podcast, I had the pleasure of sitting down with a a legend in the hip hop game. When it comes to the state of Utah, or just in general, really, in my opinion. Uh, DJ Brisk, Brisk Warner. He has a lot of different names, um, but we sat down for about an hour, talked about his upbringing, we talked about how he got into hip-hop and kind of the evolution that it's taken, uh, as well as a number of other fun things. So at the end of that Brisk interview, I give him his roses. So today's roses go to Brisk and you'll hear why. Uh, and then after that, I'll be back with just a quick uh, sign off. But first, a quick word from
0: my guy, Dre Rocca. Will Wonder podcast fans, I apologize. I'm not going to take too much of your time. I just wanted to take a second to introduce myself. My name is Dre Rocca, and I have this podcast called Unrestricted, where I get to interview some of my, uh, my really good friends and homies. And I won't even call it an interview, it's really just us bantering and uh, learning about each other. And if you're outside of Utah, Stop by, get to know our community Because our community is dope And not only that, but I have a a radio show On U92, 3 to 7, Monday through Friday And uh, I sit down and I talk to uh, Some different personalities uh, Entertainers Like I have this segment right now Called I Love That with my good friend Lisa Barlow from The Real Housewives of Salt Lake City So we get into a lot of conversation And I would love for you to bring uh, Be a part of it So come on over, allrock.com That's A-L-L-R-A-W-K Dot com, and you can follow me on Instagram at Dre That's D-R-E-R-A-W-K-A Now back to the show
1: Alright, my guest today DJ Producer, graph artist He once whooped my ass in NBA 2K I think it was 2010 With some bullshit with Judd Bushler But I'm still a little bitter about that If I'm going to be honest You can catch him DJing all over Salt Lake, Park City, everywhere To me uh, I've said this before on the podcast uh, when we've talked about Utah hip hop. He is the epitome of hip hop. Matter of fact, if you are talking about hip hop in the state of Utah and you don't bring this man's name up, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. My guest today is Brisk. Brisk, how are you? Hey man, thank you. That was man. I'm, that was a humbling intro. Thank you. Um, I'm doing great, man. Good. You know? I was I'm saying, saying it's been it's been a minute since I've been here.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah, it has been about that long. You guys came and recorded when you were rapping. Yeah. I think that was the last time you came here. I don't know if you did scratches, or you just were like the overseer.
1: Yeah. Like you were like Professor did, uh, Griff. You just came to oversee. <laughs> Make sure everything goes as it needs right. to. You you were doing the, uh, I think it was This Is is this is this The Place. Oh, yeah, yeah. That the was second in, one. That, that was, was the last time we were here.
2: 2012, yeah. Jesus. Time wow. flies, man. Yeah, man. That Yeah. Wow.
1: I haven't done one since. I know. And, and the, other, the other thing is... I'm trying to get a, a copy of that, because I had one, who knows what happened to it, so if you do have something... Oh, I I think I have one. Okay. I think I do. Perfect. Perfect. Well, this is what I want to do. I, I want people to get to know you a little bit, um, so I think it's only right we start, you know, from the beginning, So, so where are you from originally? So I was
2: born at Granger Hospital in West Valley, right there on 35th, and I went to Granger Elementary, went to Valley Junior High... Who you know, I was a Liger. Yeah, same. Oh, that's what's up. Oh, <laughs> uh, let's see. And then, you know, yeah, those were my developing years. And then I, I went to high school at Granger. Come on. Got gotcha. you. That's, you know, that's the real West Valley High School.
1: Yeah. I, I spent a little bit of time, uh, seventh and eighth grade at Valley, and then I moved out, uh, back out to Magna, actually. But, yeah, I spent my time there. Nice. Um, so growing up in West Valley, how were you introduced To hip hop. Like, when did that become a thing for you? Okay, so
2: I would say when I was in fifth grade, there was this kid named Tori, and he had this tape, and it was Houdini One Love, and it was written on the tape. And he's like, I remember I can't remember what he said, but I remember us having a conversation about it, and I was intrigued. And then at this school, right, they had this thing like a White Elephant, like, if the class did good, the teacher would give you money. Mm. Like, if you did good during the week, you get, like, this fake money. It wasn't real money. And then kids would bring stuff from home, and they would it on their desk, and with the money you got from the teacher, you could buy the stuff the kids bring. Gotcha. You know what I mean? It was like a fake store, and you just, you know, whatever. Yeah. So I got it from this kid, Mike McLeod. I remember his name. He, I bought the Raising Hell tape. So that was, like, mm. the first tape that I heard, because you got to remember you know, there was no rap on anything. And then shortly after that, in the summer between 5th and 6th, we started hearing Sean Phillips on KRCL on, on the Friday and Saturday nights. Mm. Like, Buzz and, and Sam would let him jump on, and he would do like an hour or two hour mix, and he would play nothing but all the new rap shit at the time. And like, fucking, we would record that. We would record those mixes that he would do. I remember, oh, I remember like it was yesterday, and we thought he was like this superstar. It was crazy. I remember when I, when I finally seen him we were at Valley Fair Mall, and they were at the Dollar Theaters doing a promotion for KRCL. And I remember I seen him, and I swear he had a troop jacket. I was like, what? <laughs> and he was white dude. We just assumed he was black. We didn't know. Right. And it was, yeah, it was hilarious. We used to record his mixes and make pause mixes with his mixes. It was funny.
1: Damn. I remember Sean Phillips. I, I never had the chance to meet him, but I do remember that name. And then uh, from KRCO. So, I'm going to jump around a little bit throughout this, okay? So, just try to stick with me. And if I fuck up something, you just let me know. Yeah, no doubt. I want to kind of get the progression for you into hip-hop. Now, you you talk a little bit about how it was introduced to you. I know, um, you know, you're a graph artist. You obviously DJ, producer. Yeah. What, what did it? S- okay. So where did it start
2: before it before it all melded together. So let me tell you, this is a crazy story because this is really when I think about it, I like damn, that's when I started doing those kind of letters. My sister Kathy, she used to do these punk rock letters. You know, where, like the PV amps, mm-hmm. that kind of like punk rock yep. triangle yep. letters. She used to do those and taught me. Little, I remember drawing those when I was little, and then like in third grade, my sister Carolyn bought me this record. It was the Breakdance record, and it said Breakdance I'm sure you've seen. It. It's like a purple cover. You could look at it mm-hmm. online. Purple cover, and it had a. Uh, and it had graffiti on the front, and I used to copy it and trace it and learn how to do it. I remember the one that said Picasso, and I, the P had this little kick that went around, and I used to draw it over and over, like, young. And then I forgot about it. Third, fourth, fifth comes around. Then in sixth grade, when I was starting to get into rap, I was started getting back into graffiti. I think it was because of Beat Street. I think my cousin Harry showed me Beat Street. Gotcha. And I seen Raymo and all that. And, of course, imp- being impressionable, and at that time, you're so soaking everything in, and that shit was so brand new, I kind of got caught up in that. So, you know, that was like the spawning of, it. I would say sixth grade with graffiti and just the music itself. I didn't know I was going to DJ or make beats. That wasn't even a thing. Yeah. You know?
1: I, uh, so, Kair Defstar was always one of my favorite street artists. Mm-hmm. and Legend. Yeah. And, and every time I would read up on him, he always gave love to Brisk from SADK. And saying, wow. saying that was the reason... He got into it the way he did because he saw gang tags, right? And that was one thing. Right. But he saw he said brisk. That name stuck out to me and it made <laughs> me want to do it. Yes. Which is fucking crazy. And and I lo- I mean like I said, Kyer, I love his stuff. I've never had the chance to meet him. Yes. But that's that's Great crazy dude. that you had influenced him to do that because I'd
2: heard that, but I wasn't really aware. I mean, he's a legend in his own. Like he's created his own vibe, and through the years, he's just his. Art has just been crazy. Went to Costa Rica years ago, yeah. and he did his crazy shit. Like, man, I got to, yeah, that dude's crazy. I got I to gotta say in that same respect, since we're on it so I don't forget, back in the day at Valley Fair Mall, there used to be a bus stop. In front of the bus stop, they were like clear plastic, mm-hmm. and people used to, you know, well, people didn't do it. It was early, but I seen this scribe. It said Basque, and each panel it was a B, one panel A, and another panel S, K, and mm-hmm. then the S had a dollar sign, it. it said Basque. One of the first writers I seen first graffiti shit, that is what really got me going as he young. And I had names between that, but then eventually I just went with Brisk, which was so close to Basque and the style I was so influenced by it. Gotcha. That was a pivotal pit, pivotal moment. And the dude, the original dude, I don't know, his name's Tony Overson, and he's a dope dude. and like he I, I think I've told him how much he influenced me to be on the graffiti tip, especially. With my name. And one time, I remember years ago, there used to be that Neth Floor on 4th, and there was this uh, dumpster on the back, and he had a tag on it. It was Bask, and he had the dollar sign with the K. And I went underneath him, like, way low, and did a brisk with the dollar sign. Yeah. that's kind of like what he did. Kind of homage type of thing. Because I thought that was dope.
1: Yeah, that is dope.
2: Because that was years later, in fact, mm-hmm. from that bus stop
1: shit. shit. So, so you start doing graffiti, which is obviously deep. Hip-hop culture, one of the elements. When when do you and start? I didn't know that they were all At, together. Yeah, yeah. You know yeah, what I mean? Sure I didn't know it was like a thing. Well, if you don't, if, if, it's interesting how they all go together, but same as me, right? Like I'm a, uh, you said uh, uh, Sean Phillips is a white guy. I'm right. a white kid growing up out here just falling in love with the music originally. Right. Learning all the other elements, right? Mm-hmm. So speaking on that, going from graffiti, how did you get into, I'm assuming DJing came first before, producing is that right? Oh yeah yeah yeah. Okay. So how did you get into DJing? So
2: so around 93, 94 when Dumpy, he had a hip hop shop on 33rd South and 10th East. It was called Blasted. it was a house. You could go in there and get fat laces, graffiti tips. They were the only store that had that sort of thing. Like they do, People didn't even know that sort of thing existed. They had Can Control Magazine. Mm. Uh, the first early brands, that early streetwear brands like Street Smarts, Tribal Gear, like, these guys were the ones that brought it here. I remember walking in there and seeing, we were writing at the time, but we was in this dope. We walked in there and seeing all the stuff they had on the walls and we we're like, whoa. And I remember looking over and there was one turntable hooked to a boombox. Mm. We walked in there and this d- little chubby dude was in there scratching. Had the turntable, one mixer hooked into this boombox and the sound. And i never seen anybody scratch in person, like that in person. And I was, I was like, Phew. when I seen that, <laughs> couldn't tell me nothing. I knew I was going to start DJing. Because it wasn't more than a year later that I picked up turntables and started doing that shit. Yeah. But that moment, and the dude's name was DJ Fatal, man. His Everybody called him Dumpy. He was the owner of that shop. And he was actually, actually a corner part of uh, when we did Function the second time, so. Yeah, Dumpy, good people, man. Yeah, so those are definitely pinnacles where I knew it changed, you know, where I yeah. knew what I was going to do. It's kind of where you, you fell know? in love with it, yeah. Yeah, and the crazy thing is he did graffiti, too, and we were all, like, kind of subtle battling, kind of like, because they were East Side kids, we were the West Side kids, and you know what I mean? They'd come and get up, in the West Side, we go out the East Side, get up type shit, yeah. you know, it's funny.
1: That's dope. So, so when you start DJing, you said you picked up some turntables. What was your first pair? What would you rock okay, with so Okay, so... W- uh, one of my early comrades when I was coming up was this dude Kale,
2: and he let me, he sold me his a pair of turntables. I don't know how much I paid. Technique 1200s, and it was a realistic mm. mixer. And he gave me my first stack of records, and I remember the records it was because of the records I practiced with. I had two copies of I Remember by Coolio. Yeah. I had two copies of that, I used to cut that up. I had MVP by Big L. Wow. Remember the one When he was on Columbia, that was like a promo. I guess it was pretty common, you know, and uh, a couple others. And I used, to, I used to use those records, just cut them up. And that's how I learned how to rock, you know, play doubles, blend beats. Yeah. You know, it was just blending those records, like figuring it out, you know, because Fig- that's what you got to do when you start. You just got to figure out how it works. Yeah. And I wanted to do it right
1: from the start. I'm, I'm just that type of cat. What was your thought? Again, I'm going to bounce around. We're going to go back and forth. But what, what was your thought once? Because uh, I remember, you know, I started DJing. In high school, right? And I had records. I had my mixer. My mom, God bless her heart, bought me some belt-driven turntables, right? And that's how I got started. And then uh, I would say I was like 22, 23 when we started to hear things about Serato. What was your thought when it went kind of that digital way? I know a lot of people were against it initially, and now, I mean, everybody uses it. So at the time, I remember,
2: you know, I was making a living at that time, DJing. you know, and we'd bring vinyl. I mean, I used to play this Place called Herios in Park City, yep. and I bring like four crates, or no, it was three crates in a tribal bag. And sometimes I'd have friends. Most of the time, I had friends with me. I had a crew, a posse, and we'd roll together, and everybody bring the records, and just that's what it was. And if you had the dope records or the new shit, you know, mm-hmm. you could be popping. And when Serato came, I was like, oh, the first person I heard with it was uh, Revolution. He came. I was like, oh, the game's gonna change because everybody's gonna be able to have all the songs now. Right. Not everybody's gonna f- have, be up on game of what's cracking, what motherfuckers wanna hear. Everybody's gonna have the same shit. Scared of that. That never happened. Went through all those, th- <laughs> went through that era and it just turned out, you know, who had the best taste, whatever at the end of the day. Right. Type shit. And like, you know, so I was for it, man. Yeah. I, I love technology. I like things changing. I like, you know, being up with whatever's cracking. it's kind of funny that I say that because when I DJ, I. You know, I use DJ Pro, but you know I don't like have an S nine in my studio. I still yeah. have a uh, fifty seven right there. Mm-hmm. I don't have like a new mixer, but all the clubs I play have spots. So one one spot I'll have a nine hundred Pioneer. If I go to Park City, it's usually an S nine. So you know, just having that variety and being up on shit is dope. I've played yeah. on the, I've played on the uh, phase shit. You know, how do you like that? It was it's dope. First time I did it was when I opened for Jazzy Jeff because he was on it, mm-hmm. and I had to go early, and his roadie had to hook it up and show me how to how to hook drivers into my laptop and I had to use his records on that night it was dope and it had his logo and stickers oh, on it yeah. that was before they had just the things oh. it were just the records with it on it remember that? Yep. and I fucking it was weird at first cause I kept wanting to grab the needle Yep. I kept going you know it was like a just a subconscious thing that kept happening but once I got out of the groove it was dope yeah. I think it's dope I played on it not too long ago
1: I've only used it once but it was the same way for me I kept going to the needle like oh fuck it's not even there <laughs> um all right, let let us let's, let's go back. So, uh, um, DJing, how did you how did you dip your toe into producing? Like, obviously, that's that's a just uh, listening hip hop shit, bro. Yeah. Like, and seeing motherfuckers do it again. I got to get so we we had the spot
2: function and in the basement we had a studio. And my boy Dumpy had the whole shit. He had like the Yamaha board, ASRX, and there was this producer who's well known named Fanatic. He was from the Bay at the time. He had produced this song for Rascal called Unassisted. Unassisted. It's the Unassisted. You know that song, Rasco's. It's like a classic, you know, boom bap type of mm-hmm. song, whatever you want to say. And he came out, man. He was the one that put us up on game, made us get ASRXs, put us up on. On, you know, how to sample records and shit. I gotta rewind a little bit. Mr. Dibbs was the one that put me up on digging and showing shit, but... Between him and Fnatic, wow, that was just so much knowledge brought to us at once. And at that time, we were sitting on a goldmine of records, and it was just
1: crazy little record stores and just fine shit. And, uh, Damn, it was dope. Digging is always fun, man. I, I when me and uh, you know your cousin when we were making that album, that was our favorite thing. And again, I had those vinyls that I talked about earlier that my Shout dad had gave Shout out, Steady Rock. You know yeah. what I'm saying? He always kept it ill like that. Yeah, always fun. Um, <clears throat> so when did you, when did you realize like this could be my this could be my Career, this could be what I do.
0: Because that's it's hard like for jumping a lot of off people. a cliff, bro. Yeah,
2: it's like really like deciding what you're gonna do. And the thing is, it's not only that you gotta have multiple ways of bringing an income. Because yeah. sometimes there might not be DJ gigs, especially when I start now.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: But man, from when I, I mean, the first club I played in, we was even 21. Sean Phillips let it slide. It was this place in Sugar House called Shooters, and I remember it was this with Poetic C First spot I played at. I would say I was DJing just for money for, for full time by the time I was 20. Damn. You know? 21. And I'd only really been DJing, like, dude, I got on the radio. We had an underground mix show on 94.9. Me, DJ Dale, and DJ Fatal, that dude Dumpy, yeah. that Sean Phillips totally laced us up with because he was the man at the time. So we had three hours to play nothing but underground and whatever. So we play all the ill underground, Fondulum Records shit, just all the underground shit at the time. We play classic stuff too. You know, and then after a while, we had to start bringing in like records that he needed us to play. You know, so we'd <laughs> he'd have to play like some record that did not even fit what we were playing. But you know, but that was still cool. That was still a dope, dope experience, man. I got put on fast, and it just came so fast. And yeah. I practiced so much, and I just because I was always I didn't want to I didn't want to be bad. I didn't want right. to fail because you know, yeah, it is.
1: Yeah, yeah. You you've had a lot of. uh You know, you talk about KRCL. You did stuff with U92 as well. Right. Do you... uh, To my knowledge, uh, you're not doing anything on on U92 now. Do you miss anything with radio? or I mean, because you were were doing radio at a time from KRCL till now where it's changed. Radio's
2: fun because, you know, you're rocking for everybody out there. You know what I'm saying? And, yeah, you don't get to play the music you want. And I had this mixtape where I was talking shit about how program directors... (laughs) You know, how you going to make the DJ handcuff the D? And I here I was in the morning, you know, playing the top five at five, you know, at nine, you know. But I'd always bring my own flavor to it. And I enjoyed it just because, you know, it was like hip hop. And I was like, it wasn't even that much money. It was like not even good money. It was just oh, like, yeah. okay, this is like a tax thing so I can put towards my taxes. And I get to go get up in the morning like a routine, get up and DJ. That was dope. I had a great time. Yeah. And then in the nights, I used to rock with Nate with the eight. medium, had a little quick show. And we played like all the new shit, but it was like up and coming shit. You know, that was fun as hell too. Yeah, breaking new, sh- un- you know, new records that was out. You know. Yeah. So
1: it's phew, it's been a long, long road. Yeah. Would you sure. ever Would you ever be interested in doing radio again? Whether it's not necessarily U ninety two, maybe something with KRCL. Is that something that ever would interest you again? Well, see, the thing is about <sighs> yeah. If if it's cool, and it's not even
2: money that I care about. If it's something cool, you know, and it's convenient. Right. Because sometimes you'd be working, man. You'd be doing shit. Like, I'll be down here doing it or have things going on or have night gigs. Like, my Fridays and Saturdays, my day, my daytimes are about rest and water. Because I know in that night, I just, you know.
1: <laughs> yeah. And breakfast, right? Well, that's You're always day, posting bro. the breakfast shit. Breakfast to <laughs> <every day. laughs>
2: Um I don't miss a day without breaking it.
1: Let's, uh, this is what I want to do is... is Kind of get more into the back into the production element of it. Um, you've worked with a lot of great MCs oh and my artists. Oh god, I've been so blessed, dude. Yeah. Fuck. Like, so so obviously, you know, uh, you you talked about Harry O's. Mm-hmm. The very first show I went to, I had, I had just barely turned twenty-one, and my boy Freddie <laughs> took me to Harry O's right. for a two short show. Right, and it was you. You were DJing, mm-hmm. but uh, anyone was performing and it might've been like an album, like some, I was during the time when Ahmad Jamal was around. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And he had his, uh, boxing gloves around his neck and he came out and I was like, that was my first real, like, okay, so people are, are, are really doing stuff out Mm -hmm. here. Um, but you produce for anyone Produce for man. I loved the adverse. Mm -hmm. I loved adverse. Um, Sig, obviously, who's here now, a lot of great MCs here uh, and then great MCs outside of the state. Right. How do you... How do you go about finding a sound for them, right? Because, like, you and Sig, I think, have a very good chemistry. Uh, you and Adverse, uh, like I said, man, that, that David album, I still listen to it. Wow. Dope. Um But h- how, do you, how do you go about working with someone, like, trying to find something that works for them? And... and Uh, follow up to that is there ever a time where you're like "Uh, this shit's not gonna work so when it comes to finding like how somebody should sound it's
2: just from DJing shit you hear their voice and then you think of shit that you you know your subconscious mind as a DJ there's so much music you know especially if you're into music in general Mm -hmm. you're gonna be influenced by all those vibes whether it's something from 87 or something from 2015 or something right now all those different vibes you put all that formula together and that's how it comes. that's how you get it together. That's how you find a sound for somebody. You yeah. Know? You're like, okay, how can I bring what I do to how he sounds to a sound that's, you know, going right now? Yeah. Because it's a bubble of when the sounds go. Me and Sig, we don't do a lot of trendy drums and trendy bass. I don't like a lot of that with him, so the songs can sit a little, a little longer. All some right. so- Some songs I've done have been sounds of the time, like as far as drum programming, certain things or certain drum sounds, you know? And like industry sounds and they kind of go out of
1: style. That's the funny thing. Yeah. I I remember when we were recording our music here, uh, we were working on our album, you had said, oh yeah, I'm doing a, almost like a score. I don't remember what the television show was. Is that something that you still do? I've done on and
2: off projects. Shout out to my boy Ryan. Like uh, I've done stuff for that on and off till I've been able to work on different TV shows. I've done commercials, tons of radio stuff. I still get publishing today. I'm pretty fortunate. off Stuff I did like four or five years ago, even just, not even rap shit, nothing rap related, all like TV Mm -hmm. commercial related. This dude got me on a freaking movie trailer, a Michael Douglas movie called Solitary Man. And in the fucking theater, the the four seconds played my shit. I was like, damn.
1: Wow.
2: I thought I made it. And then I got hella placements on it. Remember Bones and House? Yeah, yeah. Both them shows. I I had a whole thing where I I had hella shit on both them shows. Man. And still to this day, man. It's like shit. You know. How did how did
1: it so you just knew somebody that had reached out to you? How did that come to be? It was
2: connections, bro. Yeah, my boy, Ryan Bao, dude, he was the one that put me on. Yeah. Shout out to him. He's the one that, not only did he put me onto that, he put me onto all these instruments and sounds and different ways of doing it. He's a master engineer, master musician, just a fucking incredible, mm. incredible dude. He works on crazy movie scores. Like, bro, like he's worked on the Joker movie that just came out, you know, the last one that came out. The, you know, just new shit, like big shit. I'm like, damn, like hit the trailer shit he does is crazy. So this dude kind of put me on and got me in on some projects that if I didn't know him, I wouldn't have had no no business being in that. And yeah. I got those opportunities, got these placements, and, it, you know, he can quarterback it, but they got to pick it. And I had so many ill things that happened. yeah And that also made my production.
1: Yeah.
2: You know, I had to get better at learning chord progressions and learning keys.
1: That's crazy. Learning keys and...
2: You know, shit like that. It got me way better. Mixing, engineering, understanding signal path better, how things are supposed to sound. Like, yeah. Have you ever... Uh, will you pull
1: that up just a little bit? Just to oh, my bad. No, no, you're straight. Oh, I keep rubbing the... Yeah, yeah. You're good. Thing. My bad. I can't hear that. Um, <laughs> that's on me. My bad. Do you ever... Um, I mean, you have tons of knowledge around all of this. Do you, have you ever thought about teaching or, or even being... Uh, you know, if someone was to reach out to you and say, hey, can you... If I put in the time or I help you with whatever, would you would you, would you, you teach me some shit?
2: Uh, yeah. I mean, I've been approached for different things, but... Um, yeah, I mean, it's not something I'm trying to do right now. Yeah. Like I have classes,
1: but maybe down the line, you never yeah. know. It's more of a time thing, I'm assuming, because you don't have a lot of free time. <laughs> <laughs> Only because I make it so I don't have a lot of free time. Yeah. You know what I mean?
2: Like, I try to... Do things that 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 are therapeutic and making music or, you know, listening to shit. That's just good for me, you know? I need to go on vacation, though. I need to get out the house. Yeah. For real. And I, then I DJ every Friday. I've been blessed, man. I've DJed since it, COVID turned on and then it then it turned back on. Boom, I was right back on it. You know? And it's, yeah. it's been it's consistent. And I'm just so blessed
1: because a whole different generation and different stuff. And it just, man. Well, that's the thing, man. Like, if you think about how long you've been doing it and how consistent you've been doing it and the spots that you've been doing it at, like, you were the first one, even before I knew Mike, right. where I was like, brisk is the shit. Oh, As far, you know, DJ-wise. And then, and then I, I started to hear Juggy who had, who had come out here. and Yeah, see. Yeah. And it was just like, the you think about it, right? That's like 2003. Right. There could be There could have been someone in the club at that time who was getting down to your guys' shit? Who's now their kid is getting down to your shit in the club? You, your, your, your tenure and how long you've been able to stay consistent is fucking crazy. It, and that doesn't happen. Like it just doesn't.
2: Yeah, I stay. I abstained from alcohol. <laughs> you know that was one thing because that as a DJ that'll be the number one killer. Oh yeah. You know. <laughs>
1: Damn, I didn't know you didn't drink. I, I never know.
2: did. Yeah. I, I, on and off, you know, it was we all do it. I never was heavy, and I haven't touched alcohol in years. Wow. That's in great. Years.
1: Yeah. I try not to.
2: But You know, when I'm DJing straight water, because then I feel focused. Gotcha. Because I'm usually, you know, lifted. You yeah, know? yeah. So it's like, I'll just drink a lot of water, boom, feel good. And
1: I think that's the key man. and just, you know, not take anything too serious. Which, yeah. That's crazy, like, because, again, Harrio was my first club I went to. You were there, and then just thinking about the years that I've gone to different spots to listen to you, oh, that's one thing where I was Herio's, like, Herio's, my God, shout out to Costa. That was a the spot. The Godfather, and shout out to Dimitri.
2: <laughs> yeah. Like, those dudes changed the game. When they did that, and they had me come on board, bro, that's where I got my chops. That's where I learned. Like, I already had flavor. I already knew I was dope like that, but damn, it's a different level, and yeah. I was I was playing with, with disc jockeys that were Um, Like high level, I got to open for. It's it's, the the list is countless. Mm -hmm. Of just great DJs and building relationships and seeing techniques and integrating things into what I do and you know all that. I was fortunate for that.
1: So I can't lie, I uh,
2: I opened for freaking AM. I stood right by him, behind him while he was rocking.
1: I was like, damn, this is ill. On the DJ side of things, who did you look up to? Like, who was there? Any not necessarily you try to pattern your style after, but. Who did you Who did you fuck with? Jeez.
2: So I would say when I started DJing and started paying attention, probably the the main DJ that really put me up on ideas because I always mixed it like I always wanted to mix weird stuff together, you know. Mm-hmm. Was Mister Dibbs from Cincinnati, twelve hundred hobos, man. Like he's the one that he he put me down with that crew, and that's been a dope thing. But yeah, Mister Dibs, he was a DJ that really inspired me to fucking do what I do you know, to the level I do it at, and mm-hmm. s- instead of, you know, trying to focus on too much things, just focus on one style of blending, you know, and how you cut records up and how you bring them in, instead of having all these different cut styles, which you have to stay up on, you have to practice on that, right. I'd have two or three good patterns, you know, solid shit, you know, and I learned that from him, mm. shout out DJ Fingers, Marcus B, them two, DJ Fingers, Wow. Yeah. I, I could go on for days on the influence that dude. That dude put me in the music. Like, made it so I was making money. I went out to San Diego working for his record label. Wow. Making money doing, like, battle records, loop records, like, doing all kinds of shit. Like, way, but on that ASR right there. Mm. ASR example, I was making all that all on all that. So, shout out to him, too, man. Like, damn. Jeez.
1: There's so much, uh, you know, you throw out these names, and, like, to a lot of people, they're like, holy shit, like, these are people that they listened to and looked up to, right. you know what I mean? And for you to be a kid from West Valley that went to green, that went to fucking Valley junior high and rub shoulders with these guys oh, is pretty dope.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. And you just kept going. That's what's, I love it. <laughs> I love it. I mean, I know we have, uh, I don't want to take up a ton of your time. We've talked about your past and we c- I could talk to you for hours, bro. <laughs> where, where do you, where do you want to go from here? Like you said, you're staying consistent with everything, but, what, what What's kind of your, in your mind, what is your next step? See,
2: I try to keep my goals in small increments, you know, because I've always, DJ Riz, I follow him on Twitter years ago, and I seen on his Twitter, on his bio, he said, consistency equals longevity. Hmm. And that stuck with me. That credo really, like, set me on a path where I was like, bam, instead of trying to be up here and oversaturating and boom, I'm here, boom, I'm here, checking out. Over, You know, it's like trying to keep that in between where Mm. I can stay relevant and then just get in the cut and not oversaturate and still be happy, you know, because you can get lackadaisical in the clubs. You start doing the same combos, playing the same song after the other. You know what I mean? I got caught up in that, you know, it's just because it becomes so routine sometimes. And then you got to remember why you're blessed to do it. Then Mm -hmm. the artistry and the reason why you rock it different than everybody else comes out, you know?
1: Yeah. I was going to ask you, how do you get out of that? But yeah remembering why you're doing yeah. it. Yeah.
2: yeah. And being absolutely.
1: up on shit. I think that happens to... I mean, it's happened to me DJing as well, where I'm like, fuck, I, I've done the same thing. The You know, this transition to this, uh, the last three weeks, I should probably do something different. Right. <laughs> right. Because at that point, it's become
2: a job. It's become daunting. Like, fuck, I just want yeah. to do this two hours, three hours, whatever it is, get my check, go home. Yep. You know? So I've especially after COVID, I've learned to appreciate everything. I've been rocking at this spot now for the past while, I've you know doing other spots here and there. And I just learned to appreciate it, and I build on while I'm doing it. While I'm doing that, I'm practicing DJing. Yeah, like I'll have it way low, but I'll be doing little cuts, just keeping the patterns right, keeping that shit tight. I won't. I don't ever have it all loud because mm-hmm. just the vibe isn't there for that. But it, it's it's dope, and I haven't even been playing rap in the last year now. I've been playing like house and like indie dance music and like. Mm cool DJ edits you know shout out to Juggy man he lays me with a bunch of ill stuff and yeah. yeah I've just been playing a lot you know it's just been a cool vibe with this with music and then every once in a while I'll go to Park City and play Bangers
1: Yeah, you know all the new shit you know like I said jumping around I'm sure when you first started DJing it was about hip hop when did you when were you open to playing other music, like you said. You're playing house now. You're playing other things. But well, when, that was always, when did that break in? It always
2: did. It was always <sighs> Got part you. of it. I learned that early because I was around those dudes. I was around Fingers and Marcus B, Mr. Dibs. Mm-hmm. I was around early to understand that hip-hop, if you're going to get technical, enc- encompasses all the music, all different genres. All the samples, all the original breaks are all different genres. Yep. Big Beat is rock. Impeach the President is funk. Yep. Different genres, you know? Fucking... It's crazy. Tom Scott, that's jazz. Like yeah. those are all different drum breaks that people have used. And those are three different genres of music. All the music sounds different. When you play those three songs, they don't sound alike, but those little segmented drums created hip-hop. Yeah,
1: You know what I mean? Yeah. That's stupid shit. What's your what's your that just popped a question in my head? What's your favorite break, favorite, favorite sample? <sighs> There's too many to, but you know, maybe even a couple that come to your mind where you're like, I fu- every time someone uses this, I'm in. And I just heard these the other day, dude.
2: And I haven't used them in so long because they remind me of, like acid jazz, but the fucking Headhunters drums. The God made me funky. Mm. Mm. They're the drums that Grandmaster Flash cuts up on Wild Style. Mm-hmm. The first section before he cuts up Mardi Gras, it's the first drums. Mm. I have one copy of that real record but then I have doubles of that break on the ultimate beats and breaks I got the ultimate beats and breaks early from Dumpy early mm. in my DJing so I had doubles of like all the breaks Big B Piece of President Substitution all that I had all them records Young and I have a tape a cassette tape of a mix I made playing those so I Damn. got I got a grasp of playing originals early, like mixing and holding the record and knowing to hold it, because it's not quantized. When you play rap, those songs are programmed, and you mix them, once they're locked in, they're locked in. Yep. But the live shit, the drummers on two different songs, they might do, you know, be yeah. a little,
1: you know just the nuances, bro, that oh, type of man. shit. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> so at the end of all my interviews, I do <clears throat> kind of like a rapid fire type of thing, okay? Okay. So you can, uh, you can give context to give any anxiety. of these answers. <laughs> All right, here we go. Or you don't have to give context. You can just say it, right? Uh, and there's a couple different ones here. So first one, you have 24 hours to live. What's your last meal?
2: McDonald's, quarter pounder with cheese, fries, and a chocolate shake. Right. Large fries. Okay. I haven't had fries in like six years.
1: I, uh, I hadn't had him in a long time. My son, he's uh, in preschool. Picked him up. He's I want a Happy Meal, Dad. All right. And I was like, ah, oh, fuck. I kind of want something from here, too. The crack, <laughs> it was like crack. It was yeah. like I started itching when I pulled up, and yeah, I got, a, I got some fries. Um, three essential albums. Now, these can be hip-hop, not hip, whatever. Just three essential albums. Okay. This is
2: this one's actually pretty easy. I don't want to overthink it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm going to say, By All Means Necessary by Boogie Down Productions, Diamond Life by Sade, and, oh, how was I going to miss? Hard to Earn mm. by Gangstar. Okay, perfect. <laughs> so those are a great blend. Like, if you played
1: those records in a mix, that's kind of a good blend of a foundation of me, I guess, you yeah. could say. Well, when we when I uh, going back to the air stuff, and he said brisk S A D K. What does S A D K stand for? S A D K stands for Superior and Destructive Kings. Simply
2: America's Dopest Kings. Shady, addicted deviants. Like it stood for whatever we wanted it to. Because, gotcha. man, shout out to S A D K. Man, like we put in so much, so much work in, like getting up and having our names everywhere. Like it was all about being up everywhere and. And there's been crews, and, you know, like Animal, he's the king of all time. True, those are the kings of all time. Those are names that you speak of. When you talk about kings, you're talking about those dudes. But, like, getting up at a certain time, man, we we had our run, and it was dope. Yeah. We
1: got up, and we, like, we was everywhere. The only reason I brought that up is I thought the S was for Sade. Because I don't, maybe it, maybe it was a... A mix, and we mixed yeah. it up, yeah, later gotcha. on in time. But originally,
2: okay. no, it wasn't. Right. The original name was Superior Destructive Kings. Uh, shout out John Mila. He's the one that brought it from Cali. And, you know, got all
1: that together. Like, make sure everybody gets (coughs) their props. (sighs) That's dope. Uh, right, What's the last show you binge watched?
2: (laughs) Oh, shit. Well, you know what I mean? I don't really watch a lot of shows. But it's it's funny that Because you've actually caught me at a time where I have been watching shows. Mm. So the first one I did is I did in, like... It was, like, probably... Four or five sittings. I did the Beatles shit on Disney, mm. and then I did Mandalorian, and then after that I did Boba Fett. So got you. You know, I mean the Star Wars. Okay, yeah. So okay. I like that, especially that time, like the Boba Fett time, because growing up, man, I love Boba Fett. He's like my favorite character, like for real. I used to play Boba Fett. I remember I had the Boba Fett with the, the, the ship, and <laughs> I used to make it fly forward. I didn't care how it flew in the show. <laughs> you know what I mean? I used to make it fly because f- it looked cooler. Yeah, but. um and when he died, it was so unceremonious, like on Return of the Jedi when he fell into the Sarlacc pit. And then when I was like, How are they gonna have a show? Oh, it must be before. Yeah. You no, know, the way they did it, how he lives through the Sarlacc Pit because of his best car armor is like, oh, it makes so much fucking sense.
1: So
2: whoever wrote that idea is a genius. Then they're uh, genius. They're making money
1: off that for sure. Oh, for sure.
2: so good. You don't need the Disney you got kids? Uh, oh,
1: yeah, yeah. No, he's in the Disney for sure. we haven't gotten into that yet, though. Mm. His attention span, he'll be four this oh, month. Yeah. So his no. attention span is five minutes here, and he's then just four. coming off Barney into some real more animated, better stuff. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Uh your Mount Rushmore of producers. Uh, DJ
2: Premier, DJ Quick. Damn. You almost... I went, the thing that sucks about these lists is because you feel, get, you feel get, like you get caught two generational and you get stuck in this old pattern, you know? Because there's people that later on have come and, and did dope shit and, and brought additives to the game. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to say, for me, personally... The first two I mentioned, I'm gonna I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go Jake One. I'm gonna throw Jake Mm. One in there, and then you know, like when I do like keyboard beats and West Coast beats and those kind of beats, like layers, and I think and I'm thinking of like patterns when I'm doing those. My biggest influence with that has always been Battle Cat, because his beats are always so dope. Like he's so slept on. Yep. So between DJ Quick and DJ Battlecat, that's where I always felt like, because I listened to that shit. That was just Mm -hmm. what I listened to. I liked that music. I wasn't listening to it to catch a vibe to make beats. It was just something in my head. And you'd have that when you'd be making beats. You'd be like, I'd be on the keyboard and I'd hear a bass sound and it kind of sounded like some, I'd be like, oh, here we like Oh, shit. There it is. (laughs) And then you just build off that. So funny, man. But yeah, I'd have to say that's a pretty good list.
1: Okay. That's good. Yeah.
2: Uh, I'm sure it's messed up somewhere, but whatever. That's a pretty good list. No,
1: I mean short list. It's short list. Uh, LeBron or Jordan?
2: Whew. Shit. God damn it! What is this? Fuck, man. <laughs> so the thing is about that. The, the thing is about that though is like you know obviously I grew up in Jordan. I mean that was why after Jordan I kind of fell off basketball for years. I wasn't into. It. I didn't get into basketball until two thousand nine, two thousand ten, when gotcha. when two K came back out or not came back out, but when I started playing it and then I started watching games because I was into the game and of course I was Cleveland, I was LeBron, that was my first, Mm -hmm. you know, and then when I got hip to it, the next year came out, I think it was 11, they had Jordan, Jordan finally put his shit on, I started being the 95 Bulls and being everybody. Yeah, I remember. Um, (laughs) Fucking but still upset. right now, like, LeBron, like, is so dope. Like, statistically, I've always said you got to go by the numbers. Like, statistically, we've looked it up before, dude. Mm-hmm. Overall, Jordan has just got a few things over over LeBron, you yeah. know? But, LeBron, like, we have this about Kobe, too, and it's like, LeBron has surpassed Kobe in pretty much everything. Mm-hmm. Now, you can be sentimental and talk about kill clutch, and, like, yeah, and I get it, and those are definitely additives that gave different advantages, but... Between LeBron and Jordan. That's why you say LeBron and Jordan. Yeah. You know? Fuck. Because right now I'm such... I only watch the Lakers because of LeBron. I only watch the Heat. Yeah. Like, those are the only games I would watch. Because of LeBron, Because I'd be, you know... I know that's so basic. I am a basketball fan, but I don't have a lot of time to watch games. So I want to watch the best of the best. Like, when I watch football, I'm going to either watch Patriots, now I'm watching Tampa
1: Bay. Yeah, yeah. If I'm going to take the time to watch a game, (laughs) which is rare.
2: You get what I mean? I'm that
1: sort of... You're you're not the kind of guy who's going to sit and watch a Magic Pacers game like I did last night, even though Magic are my team.
2: If I went to it, I would. Or if, you know, if I had, you know, if somebody you know, sometimes, like, I've been watching Grizzlies,
1: obviously. Yeah.
2: rant, You know, whatever. But that's just, but yeah, LeBron and Jordan, fuck. I'm going to, you know what, because if I say LeBron, it would be, oh, he's crazy. (laughs) So yeah, I'm going
1: to have to say Jordan, because he is, he is the GOAT, I guess. Um. Um... 80s, 90s, 2000s, or right now, hip hop. See, you got to go with the stuff that you grew up on. Yeah, that's like you know 90s for sure. Okay, perfect. Um, this is usually this is my last question that I always ask, and you can take your time on this. Um, I think I already know one uh, answer, but you're putting on your dream concert, and you get four acts, dead or alive. Who are you picking? Man. It's hard.
2: Kay. Okay. 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 <laughs> no, I'm just I'm just putting it together. Yeah, yeah, no, you're good. In my head. Okay. Gangstars the openers. Perfect. Okay, they're gonna start it out. They're just gonna warm up the crowd. Everybody's walking in. That's actually how I seen dilated when they opened for Gangstar who who in tune opened for Rage Against the Machine. Remember when that show came? Yeah, yeah. I went to that show and we went early and dilated. We didn't even know what they were gonna be there. They were playing, it was crazy. But anyway, um so Gangstar opening. Oh man. This is This is hard. Damn. Um Because now I'm overthinking it. I, I, My opening group was instant. And I know what my number one is going to be. Um, who do I really want to see? God, who would that be dope? Gangstar comes out and then they're done. And then who's fucking coming out next? Oh, jeez. Um, damn, it's tough. I don't... I Fuck. <laughs> I hate to say, Oh, fuck. What am I thinking, dude? Fucking Kanye. Oh, there you go. Boom. Hit him in the head with a gut punch right off the top. <laughs> Gangstar comes in with some classics. Yeah. People walking in. We're like full, three quarters of the way full and Kanye comes out, bro. It ain't even fucking fill up all the way. Ugh. Did I go? Did you think I busted that low too fast? No. I don't think I did. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he might be upset at well, this show, but you know what I mean? This it's your show. My, this yeah, it's your fucking show.
2: fucking show. <laughs> okay. Oh, shit. I, I just changed my shit right now. After Kanye, fucking Outkast comes on. And then after Outkast, wow. it's Tribe.
1: Ooh. That's I was, great.
2: Jay-Z was going to be my number one. I wanted to see live. But then I changed it. I was like, Cut oh, it. what am I thinking? He said dead or alive. Yeah. Yeah, that would be amazing. Oh, so my list don't change. Start to finish, that would be amazing. I love that. I love that. Oh, no, wait. Oop. So the second one in was what? I said Kanye. Kanye is going to have to go NWA. Okay.
1: Wow. Yeah. Because I'm gonna just
2: do groups. If I'm gonna go that route, might yeah, yeah. as well.
1: Yeah.
2: NDBA did or alive. Come on. Yeah. And they could just do Them in their group. prime. Gangstar, NDBA comes out. Yeah. Second,
1: dude. Forget about it. Outcast and, and then me.
2: fucking outcast. Cause c- come on, bro. Who doesn't want to see outcast? Yeah. That's a good number three. Yeah. And then the the that last two is definitely fandom.
1: Because you could probably pick a better one, but there you go. Perfect. I love that. Sorry. No, I no. Go over. No, that's perfect. Um so I don't. I don't know. I, I know you've listened to a couple because you would hit me up about one podcast, but I don't know how often you listen. And that's neither here nor there. But at the end of my podcast, I do one of two things at the very end of it. I either uh, I have a, I have two segments. One of them is called "I Wonder," where it's just like some random shit that I go look up. Right. Uh, the other thing is called "Roses," right? And then my guy, Gabi- my guy Gabino has a song called "Juan Diego" that he did with Mike Skills. And in that, he says, uh, give me my roses now. Don't wait till I'm underground. So I took that from Gabino. He's my friend. I said, I'm fucking taking this. I'm going to use it for my podcast. Yeah, cool. So that's on the back of that shirt. But what it... I mean, essentially, you've heard it, right? Yeah. Give, give me your flowers. Give me your roses. But it's it's uh, just... I wanted to do that now that I'm face-to-face with you. Right. And just tell you how much I appreciate what you've done for Salt Lake City, for hip-hop in general, for how the love you showed me and your cousin... Back In the day, maybe it's because his it cousin, maybe it wasn't, I don't know. But you know, just being real with us and putting us on when you could, right? Um, but still keeping that consistency and still doing what you love because it's an inspiration to a lot of people that you may not even know. So, thank you, bro. Man, my face is warm. <laughs> you know, that
2: feeling you get, you're like, fuck. <laughs> no, I, pre- I appreciate that shit, yeah. G, for real,
1: absolutely,
2: That's, yeah, man. No doubt, I, I'm blessed, and yeah, I've. Fuck! I wake up every day and I just try to be better and you know to be the best I can and, yeah. and enjoy
1: it. You know, at the end of the day, be happy. Yeah, absolutely. Is there anything you want to say we, uh, before we go? Anything you want to get out there? Uh, obviously, I'll, I'm going to put all your links, uh, you know, Instagram and Twitter and all that um, in the podcast description. But anything you want to you want to say before we bounce? Uh,
2: yeah, you got to go check out Sig Burner's album, uh, yes. Champagne. Uh, that's at Sigburner on Instagram. I'll
1: put that in there, too. You
2: know what I'm yeah. saying? So that'd be dope. I mean, I've I got a lot of things I've been working on, so, yeah. Awesome. That's the most recent stuff that's coming out of, like, a body of work.
1: Yeah. Got it. But, Perfect. yeah. Perfect. And I DJ still. Yeah, and so you're you're I at a the game. I mean, you're, you're all over the place, but where are you most consistently?
2: Most consistently, I'm on Fridays at, and Saturdays at this spot called the Ivy Downtown. Okay. It's this dope restaurant vibe. That's how I was saying, like, the music is, like, it's more, like, you're not trying to make people dance more like a mood. Right. Creation, so it's it's fun, you know? Pairing the music with the food? Yeah, because I'll get, like, <laughs> yeah. <it would>. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, because it's one of them things where I can get my real DJ, like, the songs you never get to play, like, some disco shit that's, like, underground, nothing that anybody would know, only songs that people would never know but that are, like, funky, ill shit. Yeah. That's the type of stuff I play, or some ill house, or the newest indie dance shit that's out, like, I'll play current catalog, all new groups, new bands that are out, you know, I keep it up to date, or I'll play classics, it's fun.
1: Gotcha. You
2: know, that's like I said, that's the gig I used to practice, and make sure I stay sharp, you know, using effects and stay it up, and... So when I go do the clubs in Park City, playing bangers and new shit, you know, it's just that's even easier. Yeah. Got gotcha. you. Boom, boom.
1: Yeah. Awesome, man. Well, thank you. I appreciate your time. I know you uh, let you know. We've already gone over <sighs> oh, this, man. but you're busy. But it was nice to catch back up with you. Nice to be back here because it brings back a lot of memories.
2: <laughs> thank you uh, for having me, dude. Absolutely. Yeah, man.
1: Fuck. I can always keep going. I mean, (laughs) maybe we'll do a part two and just get into some (laughs) deep stories of like when rappers got into arguments in here and anyone you ever had to kick out and all kinds of shit like that. (laughs) All right, man. man. Thank you very much. Yes, sir. Thank you guys so much for listening this week. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review where you can. Follow me on Twitter at DJWillWonder. Follow the podcast on Instagram at the Will Wonder Pod. And also, make sure you check out all those other podcasts that I had mentioned at the beginning, Lake Talk 801, The Other Side of the Beehive, Jazz Nation Podcast. All of those links will be within the podcast description for this. And uh, uh, once again, I appreciate you guys listening. We'll be back next week with some March Madness talk and maybe a few other surprises. Peace.